You're listening to Hands Off My Rack, a podcast dedicated to all things female fitness, health, and wellness. But we're not your average source of fitspo. We go beyond the Instagram workouts and trendy diets to provide you with honest, transparent, and evidence-based information. We're here to help you see through fitness fads and find out what really helps you become the healthiest and happiest version of yourself. Hey guys, it's Talia, and I just want to start out by giving a few shout-outs for our patrons. You guys are literally the absolute best. It really means the world for you guys to support Hands Off My Rack and support me and Jasmine, or Jasmine and I, I'm bad at grammar, (laughs) because it just, it really does mean a lot to us. All right, I wanted to give a shout-out to Raquel, who is a bestie. Thank you, Raquel. I wanted to give a shout out to Jessica, who is a for lifer. Thank you, Jessica. You are in fact a for lifer. And also Yada for being a for lifer. Thank you so much, ladies. It really means a lot to have you guys a part of our journey with Hands Off My Rack. If you are interested in being a part of our Patreon family, where you can get exclusive content, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash hands off my rack. All right, let's get to the show. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Hands Off My Rack, a podcast centered on all things female fitness, health, and wellness. So I actually uploaded this episode yesterday, and unfortunately, the audio just was absolutely trash and I have no idea why. What's ironic because in the video I or I'm sorry in the episode I literally talk about how I'm not computer savvy. I just proved myself right if anything. But moving on what the subject of the episode was was how to implement three separate lower body focus days into a weekly program and we were discussing the controversy surrounding that. Since there tends to be Varying opinions on whether or not hitting legs three times a week is overtraining, if it's necessary, if it's beneficial, if it's detrimental. There's quite a variety of opinions involving the subject. And that can be seriously confusing. I think we often get a lot of contradicting advice and information on the internet when it comes to fitness, especially female fitness. And that can be super, super duper upsetting. When we talk about overtraining, we are also talking about improper load management and improper recovery periods. So not only can you get an overtraining injury in the sense that, let's say, you're walking a lot, right? And you don't have proper shoes. You've been walking triple or quadruple the amount that your body's used to, and you're experiencing some swelling in your Achilles tendon. That is a common overuse injury. It's not like you rolled your ankle. It's not like you got a baseball to your ankle. I don't know, something like that. It's just the fact that you're overusing, overusing, overusing uh, a specific part of your body that is now injured to a certain degree because of that overuse. So when we think about glutes and our quads, hamstrings, 
We don't commonly associate those muscles with like overuse injuries. When I think of overuse injuries, I'm thinking knee pain, shoulder pain, ankle pain, things that tend to be related to like the tendons and ligaments. Like people get tendonitis, they get tennis elbow. I've had a shoulder injury, like an overuse injury from water polo. I've had a knee overuse injury from treading water with water polo. So we think like more of like joint issues and tendon and ligament issues, but that's not to say that that has nothing to do with your muscles. One thing that we forget is like, you know, the joints, ligaments, tendons, muscles, all of those things work synergistically to move you and do the movements that you're completing. So when you're having issues with the muscular side, that tends to facilitate irritation with the joint and the tendons and the ligaments and and so on. The whole point of that is that we can't say like, oh, well, you can't overuse your muscles. You can, and you can overtrain them. That's why when we think, all right, if I want to train legs three times a week, how am I going to mitigate, reduce the risk of overtraining issues or overtraining pain? How are you recovering? Are you drinking enough water? Are you eating enough? Are you, what are you eating? Are you sleeping enough? Uh, What kind of supplements are you taking? Are you eating enough protein? All those things matter a lot uh, because they all contribute to your recovery. First of all, we want to look at our recovery methods. I find that it's really popular in the fitness industry to say that it really doesn't matter what you eat. All that matters is how many calories you have, your, your, taking in and how many calories you're burning. So calories in, calories out. To a degree, when it comes to weight loss, that's true. Okay, but that's it. Like Just weight loss. When it comes to literally everything else, it matters what you eat. When it comes to your energy levels, the way, the amount of muscle you put on, whether you're losing fat only or all of your tissue, so muscle included, whether you're sleeping well, whether you're breaking out, whether you are regular in the bathroom, like literally when it comes to everything else that affects your quality of life, it matters what you eat, which I don't really understand because I know that there's this rhetoric that pushing good foods and healthy foods is a promotion of orthorexia, like of disordered eating, but I'm just going to have to disagree. I honestly don't think that When people say, oh, there's no such thing as good foods and bad foods. There's just nutrient-dense foods and not nutrient-dense foods. But we know that foods high in sodium have a negative impact on your body. We know that foods high in added sugar have a negative impact on your body. We know that colorful foods are full of antioxidants and that effect that it has on, like, free radicals and oxidative damage. Like we know that those foods have much more beneficial impact than the foods that we're saying are just not nutrient dense. I think that my issue with that is that, let's say like fried chicken, right? That's really high in sodium, really high in fat, heavily processed, By calling it just not nutrient dense, we're almost saying like that that food is like neutral, but it's, it's honestly not. So isn't that almost fallacious? But you know, I, 
understand that we have to be vigilant in doing our best to reduce like disordered eating and orthorexia. But I, I don't know that I can really agree with that whole there's no such thing as good and bad foods. There are a lot of good foods that I know that for sure. There are a lot of foods with medicinal like properties, like foods that you eat that can act as medicine. Moving on, all of that matters. If you're eating a lot of nutrient-dense foods, you're going to be able to tolerate a more vigorous and intense training protocol. But going off of specifically lower body, one thing that I do is I break up my lower body days. So on a given day, my first leg day rather, I'll hit glutes and hamstrings. I will take the following day to do an upper body muscle group. Then the day after, I will do quads and calves. Those are still in my lower body and chances are my glutes and hamstrings will still be engaged, hopefully minimally, but they still will be just like how my quads and calves were probably engaged on that glute and hamstring day. But I'm targeting, doing my best to target specifically quads and calves to minimize the engagement of my glutes and hamstrings. This is so I can still kind of give them a break uh, since it's only the day after, or I'm not, since there's only one day in between, but I want to get that volume in. So I'm going to hit quads and calves. Then the following day, I'm going to do another different muscle group that doesn't include the lower body. And I'm going to do a lower intensity glute day. So we have two moderate to high intensity days because I'm going to deadlift on the glute and hamstring day where I focus on hip hinge movements. And then I'm going to squat on the quads and calves day. So this third day, I'm going to reserve for mainly isolation work. So you can see how just structuring your program a certain way and just being strategic in that structuring can be really helpful in terms of getting more volume in. Because if you were having some insanely intense leg day once a week, you're still not going to get as much volume. I always say that word wrong. Volume as you would in three days, and you're like destroying your legs so you wouldn't be able to even recover in order to hit it more than once a week. So you also want to play around with it. If you're doing certain things and you're like, my legs are fucked, like there's no way I'm going to be able to, it's Monday and there's no way I'm going to be able to hit legs on Wednesday, then you have to play around with it. You have to be able to listen to your body and kind of understand when this is making me way too fatigued. If you do continue and you hit your second leg day, even though you are absolutely shot, like your legs are shot, like you're putting yourself at risk for injury and overtraining. So that isn't cohesive with muscle growth and it's not what you want. Am I saying that you need to hit legs three times a week? in order to grow? No, because that isn't optimal for everyone, to be honest. It's not going to work for everyone. There are some people who that may be very beneficial for, and there may be some people who it's way too difficult physically and mentally, where you get burnt out for a lack of variety in your program, or your body's really tired. Or you might be the kind of person who sees growth in your glutes really quickly because of the volume and you are like more than ever hype and motivated 
to train consistently. It really depends. And that's why you can listen to what people have to say all the time. You can listen to what your favorite content creator or this glued expert has to say or that expert, whatever. At the end of the day, you really will only know what is the best option for you when you actually try whatever it is that you're you want to see about whether it's increasing certain increasing the volume of your glute training or your leg training and assessing and evaluating how your body reacts to it and accommodating and modifying as you move forward when you learn how to do that you will be the best coach you've ever had because you have the most insight on your body and how your body's reacting so the training volume will go up as you get more experience. So when you first start out, like you don't really need to like go ham and hit legs three times a week. You probably should ease your way into it. So this is another factor. What is your experience level? Are you a beginner? Are you intermediate? Are you very experienced? That's gonna be a big factor. We have slow twitch fibers and fast twitch fibers. So a given muscle usually tends to either be slow twitch dominant or fast twitch dominant. So slow twitch fibers, uh, well rather slow twitch dominant muscles tend to recover faster and can tolerate a bit more volume than fast twitch dominant muscles. And the glutes are actually slightly slow twitch dominant, so they have a bit more slow twitch fibers. Uh, but not that far off for being a decent just 50-50 mix. So that being said, we know that our glutes actually tend to be a little a little forgiving in that sense. Gender and genetics are going to make a difference. Women are more slow twitch dominant than men and can tolerate somewhat higher training volume and frequency compared to men, which, you know... But the biggest factor that you're going to want to consider is your stress levels. So how stressed are you? And that goes back to what we were talking about before. How much sleep are you getting? How much are you eating? How much stress are you dealing with on your day-to-day life? Because high stress levels is related to high cortisol levels. And that's going to have a heavy impact on your ability to recover from exercise. And it's known that high cortisol levels severely stunts muscle growth and muscle recovery. And I think this could actually be a good segue into talking about what the actual process of muscle growth is, because I I kind of feel like once we understand how the muscle itself actually grows, it makes a lot of sense as to why we can't just like destroy our legs and expect them to get ginormous and why the recovery period in itself is such a big deal. So when we go to the gym, right, let's say we're doing deadlifts or let's say we're going to do RDLs, right? When we begin the movement, are the muscles that are being engaged to complete the movement, they actually are becoming damaged. So we engage and, you know, quote unquote, activate them in order to complete the movement. Uh, it actually our bodies recruit the muscles to complete the movement and the muscle fibers that are being used 
become damaged because we are using like a heavier load than our body is used to. You know, we're not just bending over with our body weight. And that is literally what strength training is. It's damaging our muscles because when they're damaged, when the muscle fibers are damaged, they have to repair themselves. And when they repair themselves, they hopefully, of course, will grow back. Well, they're supposed to. They grow back stronger and bigger because they were, you know, hurt. And you can even think about it like when you have a scar, right? I have a scar on my abdomen. I had an appendicitis. And when I look at the scar, my skin was cut, right? And now the scar tissue protrudes. It like, it seems like there's almost more skin there than there was beforehand. Because my skin was damaged when it healed itself, it scarred and it created almost like more and thicker skin, thicker and bigger skin. So that's why the recovery period is such a big deal because that's the actual, you don't build your muscles in the gym, you build them after the gym. So after you work out, your body repairs and and or replaces damaged muscle fibers through a cellular process where it fuses muscle fibers together to form new muscle protein strands or myofibrils. These repaired myofibrils increase in thickness and number to create muscle hypertrophy. Muscle growth occurs whenever the rate of muscle protein synthesis is greater than the rate of muscle protein breakdown, which is why one of the biggest things that contributes to uh, muscle growth is protein, the intake of protein, because it is has such a big part of the, of course, the muscle protein synthesis process. So how do you actually add muscle to your muscle cells? So why do muscles need rest to grow is because if you don't provide your body with adequate rest, sleep, and, you know, periods of rest in between workouts or nutrition, you actually reverse the anabolic, which is a fancy word for muscle growing process, and put your body into a catabolic or destructive state, which is the opposite. (laughs) Keep in mind, there's a limit on how much your muscles can actually grow dependent on gender, age, genetics, which is why, you know, you're not going to wake up like the Hulk after doing one bicep exercise because that is limited usually by our gender if you are a biologically born woman. Muscle hypertrophy takes time and it's relatively slow for the majority of people, which is why it takes several weeks or months to even see initial changes due to, you know, a bunch of different factors, including like genetics, hormonal output, muscle fiber type, your height, your gender, etc. They can all limit muscle growth or the presentation of your muscles. So to ensure that you're doing your best to grow muscle, muscle protein synthesis must exceed muscle protein breakdown. That requires that you take in an adequate source of protein, especially essential amino acids and carbs to help facilitate the cellular process of rebuilding broken down muscle tissue. 
Visible muscle growth and evident physical changes in your body's muscle structure can be highly motivational, which is why understanding the science behind how muscles actually grow is important. For muscle breakdown and growth to occur, you must force your muscles to adapt by creating stress that is different than the previous threshold your body has already adapted. That can be done by lifting heavier weights, continually changing your exercises so that you damage more total muscle fibers and pushing your muscles to fatigue while getting a pump. The most important part begins where there is adequate rest and providing ample fuel to your muscles so they can regenerate and regrow. So with all of this in mind, should you work out your lower body three times a week? I can't tell you. I can't. I can't tell you unless I specifically knew you and how you personally, like how you as an individual trained, what kind of exercises you were doing, how many movements you were doing each leg day, how many sets you're doing per movement, how many reps, what's your rep range per set. You understand like how much you sleep, how much water you're drinking, how much protein you're getting in. You know what, I even if I saw you face to face, I wouldn't be able to tell you certain things that you can only tell yourself, how you're feeling after a workout, how sore you are, you know, because let's be honest, like I could be like, oh, are you, how are you doing? If we had a training session and you would be like, yeah, I'm fine. And truth is, is you can barely sit on the toilet because we have a tendency to like kind of play down how we're feeling, you know? And I think that this is a good opportunity to kind of bring up something that I really like to do, and it's called a body scanning. So it's actually a meditation, and it's completely free. Like, you can find a bunch of different free ones on the internet, on YouTube. But what a body scan meditation is, is just bringing awareness to your body from head to toe so you will literally like lay down or sit or whatever and you will meditate but you will become aware of each individual part of your body piece by piece toe by toe to ankle to calf to shin to knee you know what i'm saying and we have a tendency to kind of just ignore how we feel, ignore our bodies, and our bodies speak to us. So when we do that, we aren't being our best coach, like as corny as it sounds, but you are, like when people are like, oh, I hate my body, haha, like on TikTok, they're like, I destroy my body in the gym five times a week because I hate myself. And like, that's funny and all, but like, realistically, yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? So you have to listen to your body. You have to listen to what it's saying to you because if you want results, that is one of the fastest ways to get it, to be able to modify and accommodate your training protocol based on the feedback of your body and get to a place where you can properly evaluate that feedback, you'll be unstoppable. You'll be your best coach because you'll be so in tuned to your body and and how it's responding to certain training stimuli to certain intensities to certain volume and frequencies that like training frequencies that you'll know exactly what works 
and exactly what's too much or too little. And it will be incredibly helpful and it will save you a lot of money because then you won't need a coach. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's just power. It's, it's literally that. Being able to develop those skills is power. Um, I did post yesterday something on our Instagram, a way to evaluate sources. That's just one step. Being able to do your own research and evaluate information that you're consuming on the internet, that's one step because that equips you more and more to, to really evaluate things in the context of yourself as an individual and also verify things on your own. The more and more self-sufficient you become in your fitness journey, the better your results will that makes sense thank you guys so much for tuning in i'm actually just right now going to go over my entire program bit by bit which does include three lower body days on our patreon so if you're interested in checking out more exclusive content from me and jasmine go to our patreon at www.3w's.com patreon.com slash hands off my rack again that's patreon.com slash hands off my rack that's also going to be on our beacon link at hands off my rack pod.com and if you are interested in supporting the podcast please leave us a five-star review it really makes a huge difference and it's incredibly helpful for us Thank you guys so much for listening. Love you all.